Starting and scaling a successful startup has never been easy, but in today's climate, it's more challenging than ever. It is extraordinarily hard to build and run a new startup. I've met hundreds of startups and startup founders, and they say things like, all I'm thinking about is cost and runway every single day. With recent events, such as the collapse of SVB and slowdown in venture capital, access to funding and resources has been increasingly difficult. For startups to survive, they must have access to the right support and resources. And that's where Microsoft for Startups comes in, providing startups with a unique approach to help early stage companies succeed. Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub, a digital platform that lets any startup, regardless of where they are in their journey, get started with Microsoft, free Azure, help with accelerating the time it takes to build an MVP, and get access to mentors and experts to help them get to that next stage of their journey, to help them acquire and scale the number of customers they have. On today's episode, we'll dive into how Microsoft for Startups is helping early stage companies overcome the challenges of building and scaling their business. It was Microsoft for Startups. And it's open to anyone with an idea. The company has a rich history of being a startup itself. They started from humble beginnings in the 70s with just two employees. And now they're a tech giant with a market cap of over $2 trillion. I think there's a recognition that Microsoft knew like, hey, we're not relevant in the startup ecosystem. And that's a huge missed opportunity. Because if you're looking at things 10 to 15 years from now, the startups that start today are going to be those enterprises. With Microsoft for Startups, the company is making significant investments in the startup space. And really focusing on founder needs and founder pain points and thinking about really critically how we solve those. AWS and GCP are trying to go up market to the enterprise, and we as Microsoft are trying to go down market. They're helping early stage companies succeed by providing access to Microsoft resources, technology, and expertise. LinkedIn and GitHub being part of Microsoft is a huge value for us. It does create some great brand recognition for us in the startup ecosystem. Joining us in this episode, is Lahini Arunachalam, Senior Director of Platform and Growth at Microsoft for Startups. We launched the Founders Hub about a year ago, exactly, but we've gotten great traction. We have 25,000 startups globally participating. Um, we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to build product. Lahini has spent a lot of time solving problems for startups and is a leader in Microsoft's efforts to invest in the startup space. Whether you're a star founder looking for guidance, an investor interested in the latest trends and innovations, or simply curious about the world of entrepreneurship, this episode is for you. So stay tuned as we dive into the challenges facing startups, the importance of startup accelerators, and how Microsoft for Startups is helping early stage companies scale. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed, and we're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. Today, we have a really special guest, Lahini Arunachalam, Senior Director at Microsoft for Startups, uh, which is a very cool initiative that brings people, expertise, and technology together to kind of help founders at every stage in their startup journey. 
So, uh, but what's more exciting today is Lahini is also a serial operator, having built and scaled products across the tech industry. So today's episode, Jed and I are just going to be taking notes and imbibing all her advice about building products across small and big companies, as well as what excites her about her organization, Microsoft for Startups, as well as all the cool things happening in the startup world today. So Lahini, thank you so much for coming on. Things have changed and we're super excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Awesome. We were having this conversation prior to the call where... A lot of our audience are just in that early career stage where they're like, you know, how do I get there? How do I climb this ladder? Or uh, I'm a startup founder. How do I scale my product? That would be a great place for us to start as to what your journey was. Really, you look back and you think, you know what? That changed my trajectory. That changed my career path. I know it's a loaded question, but yeah, we, we'd love to just sure. kind of jump right in. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I would say... There's never kind of a set path. I think yep. people, especially when they're early in career, are like, let me map out where I'm going to be for the next five to 15 years. And it's like, okay, just throw that all out the window because you get opportunities, you don't get opportunities. And so you kind of have to roll with it is kind of my first set of advice. Um, but I uh, studied computer science at Berkeley. So I was a um, EECS major. Um, got my first job out of school as a developer. I was a developer first at Goldman Sachs before I started at Salesforce, where I was more on kind of a skunk works team trying to build out uh, products on the force.com platform. And this was in, you know, the 2010s, you know, being a developer and being in that world, I kind of knew it wasn't for me. I didn't like, you know, kind of being heads down and, and building things by myself, um, so at Salesforce, you know, that was kind of the first inflection point you're talking about where I got the opportunity to be a sales engineer, essentially, right? So to kind of take my technical skills and then apply them to be customer facing. And I would say that was one of the most important things that I learned was, you know, how do you start to talk to customers, go to a meeting and feel confident in presenting to others and building a lot of those skills that I did not have when I was a developer. So getting comfortable doing that. And I would say like, that was one of the most fun jobs I had my whole career, just being able to travel and go to different countries and meet with different customers and partners and really help them think about how do I build out my business on the Salesforce platform. So it was really great in understanding like, how do you listen to customers? How do you interpret their needs into, you know, things that you can build or demo or show them how to use your software for? So that was an awesome experience. Did that for a few years at Salesforce. Um, but ultimately, you know, again, you realize like that was fun, but I miss building things. And that was kind of where I was, where I was like, I don't want to be a developer, but I really miss building and owning things. And that was kind of when I first got into product management, because that was an awesome mix of the both, right? Like the technical skills I built by being a developer, the skills I built having customer empathy and going and presenting and understanding their needs, and then taking that to apply to product management. So I got my first product role at DocuSign and it was when DocuSign was pretty small. So yeah. it was about 200 people. So I was 
I want to say like the third or fourth product manager there. So that wow. was a cool experience now looking back. Cause I'm like, wow, it's like really grown since then. Yeah. But when I was there, it was just, we were kind of just starting out and starting to get traction. And so my first set of products was all about integration products. So um, DocuSign is a product that was utilized through its API and it, you didn't use like the DocuSign portal all the time. You use DocuSign within the products you're already using. So Salesforce, Outlook, uh, Dynamic CRM, you know, all these like NetSuite, all these products that people are already using their businesses. You just needed to integrate the DocuSign functionality into where contracts were already being managed. And so my job was to figure out what that looked like with all of these different products. So it was a really good opportunity for me to kind of learn about how do you take your product, which is essentially an API, and integrate it seamlessly into someone else's suite of products. So um, that's what I did at DocuSide. It was really great. It was great to get my feet wet and to understand like how this all worked and how product management worked and how you do customer discovery and how you understand requirements. And then how do you take that and prioritize it? How do you work with engineering to get it done? So a lot of those basics. Um, But then I got an opportunity to join a startup. And this is where, you know, again, like with startups, it you got to be in the right place and the right time in terms of like where you are in your career, in terms of uh, what where you are in your life. Like that makes a huge difference. Um, and I got the opportunity to be the first product person at a uh, hospitality tech startup called Duetto. Um, so I went over there. It was founded by um, the ex-CTO of Salesforce. So I had a bunch of people from Salesforce that I had worked with that worked there. So that always makes it really great and comfortable being like with people you've already worked with and that you trust. And that was an awesome experience, right? Like being able to be the first product person, already have a product in market, but with limited traction. And, you know, I was there for almost six years. And over that time, just getting all the experience in terms of uh, building additional products, right? So we had one product, went to three products, building a team of PMs, right? So going from like one person to eventually seven or eight people on the team, you know, growing up with that company, I would say for me, it was like one of the most formative experiences I had just because I had to do everything right when you're in a startup you don't have a bunch of people you've got to like kind of be scrappy and figure it out like I was only PM we had a few engineers we had some salespeople, but kind of cobbling it all together right so how do you think about taking this product that has some early traction and making it relevant to others so one of the things I became really passionate about in that process was customer discovery and getting and understanding the importance of being able to talk to customers, right? Your data only tells you so much when you have a product. How do you take that data and marry it with what you're hearing from customers? So that was like one of the most important things that I learned through my experience at Duetto. And for those of you that, you know, may not think a startup might be right, might be too risky, like that is absolutely the case. 
But for me, it gave me this different perspective of a zoomed out perspective of like being able to see all of the things in a business that I don't think I would have gotten to see at a Salesforce or even at, at a DocuSign at that time, just because like it gives you the opportunity to understand like not only your area, which is product, but engineering, sales, marketing, like all of those pieces have to fit together for the whole company to work. And when you have a small company where you have less than a hundred people, like, you know, everyone, you know what everyone does, you have a good understanding of all the pieces. And so for me, that was one of the most important experiences that I got working at Duetto and growing up with it was that perspective. And I think that has been able to, you know, apply to, the role since. So after Duetto, um, I did a short stint at Checker. And, you know, that was a learning experience for me because it was, wasn't a good fit. So after that experience, that's when I moved to Microsoft. And, you know, people that knew me that were like, were like, why did you go to Microsoft? Like of yeah. all places, like you're a startup person, you're a product person, like why Microsoft? And I mean, that was kind of the draw to it, right? Like Microsoft, it wasn't just like Microsoft, it was Microsoft for startups. And I think there's a recognition that Microsoft knew like, hey, we're not relevant in the startup ecosystem. And that's a huge missed opportunity because if you're looking at things 10 to 15 years from now, the startups that start today are going to be those enterprises. So we're not just going to rest on our laurels and say like, hey, let's just take care of the enterprise customer base. Like they're making us a ton of money. No, like we have to think about the future and who are going to be the businesses of the future and start to become relevant and invest in them now. And the way that Microsoft was approaching it before I got to the team was they were looking at companies with products already in market. So typically they'd already been venture funded series B, C, D. Um, and they were trying to get them to replatform to Azure and oh, giving yeah. them kind of a go to market benefit, which is great and a value prop for companies that some of them that make sense. Um, but for me, that was crazy. Cause I was like, um, people don't want to replatform yeah, when they're <laughs> that far down the journey, yeah. right? Like it's such a huge cost. It's an opportunity cost. It's a financial cost, right? Like you're not building features that your customers are demanding because you're replatforming. And so we, I, again, like when I got there, I did a bunch of customer discovery. Like I'm a product person. So I was like, cool, I don't have a team, but I'm going to figure it out. So I talked to founders at all stages of their journey just to better understand what their challenges were. And what's so interesting is like what you said, no one cares about like what cloud platform they yeah, use yeah. at the very beginning, right? They care about like, hey, I need to get something out in market that's tested and validated before I put more money into this, right? So it's all about speed. Yeah. That was a great far answer. Some of the things that we're interested in about uh, Microsoft for Startups. What do you think the major differentiator is of Microsoft for Startups being in the game? Because, you know, if you go to the Valley and you ask any one founder, they're, they're going to have a bunch of ideas of a lot of different types of accelerators and certain resources for early stage founders. But I'll be mm -hmm. honest, like Microsoft for Startups wasn't necessarily a brand name for me um, just a couple of years right. ago. You know, and mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy to think about Microsoft in the same sentence as as a startup. 
because of what you right. had already mentioned with with this presence in the enterprise space, you know. Um, and I think like what I'm really interested in is how do, how do you see yourself differentiating from those other players? I mean, there are legacy players that's been in the game for for quite a while, yep. and Microsoft has the resources to match that. So I'm kind of interested in how you're thinking about that next step and getting above all the rest. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think there are a few areas that we can differentiate. I think one is from a uh, platform perspective, we think we can differentiate from like a founder's hub platform perspective in really focusing on founder needs and founder pain points and thinking about really critically how we solve those. So it's again, like I feel like the other players aren't thinking that way. They're really thinking about like, how do I get them to spin more AWS or more GCP so that I can get the the meters going and I can get more revenue because AWS and GCP are trying to go up market to the enterprise. And we as Microsoft are trying to go down market, right? Like we're trying to get That's a very smaller companies yeah, working yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a different mind shift where it's like, okay, so if you're AWS or GCP, you're going to focus on getting startups or bigger companies or more successful startups to spin more meters because that's what, that's where you're going. And we are saying like, no, we're trying to help earlier stage in a different way because we know we've got the enterprises. So now let's go down market so we can approach it really differently than AWS or GCP. So I think that's, that's one. And then the second is, you know, Microsoft has come a long way in the last few years in terms of the partnerships and acquisitions that we've done. So really thinking about, you know, LinkedIn and GitHub being part of Microsoft is a huge value for us, especially in the startup ecosystem, right? Because everyone already uses GitHub, which is awesome. Um, And, you know, GitHub has to be Switzerland. So we don't say that our Azure integration is better, but, you know, it does create some great brand recognition for us in the startup ecosystem that we didn't have before. And then I think like, just off the heels of a few months ago, this partnership with OpenAI and right. the fact that OpenAI is built on Azure infrastructure is huge, right? Like suddenly Microsoft's cool again. I mean, when you've got, I don't, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but like my mom talking about chat GPT, I like know. you know yeah. that. <laughs> you get WhatsApp forwards and it's Things like, hang on, this is cool. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So then it's like, okay, so that also means that we as Microsoft are getting more brand recognition with an audience that we didn't get before that includes startups, right? So as you think about this new generation of, generative AI startups that are going to be created and have been created the last few months are going to be created in the next few months. We want them to be built on Azure, right? And we now we have an opportunity to do that because OpenAI is built on Azure. So why wouldn't your startup be built on Azure? Because you know that's going to be successful to get started and to scale over time. And so I think there there is really some unique value in there being kind of the first mover of the market in this new set of AI startups that are going to be formed today and tomorrow. Yeah, and that's such a huge branding 
difference, right? Jed and I were looking into what existing programs were offered by Microsoft. And it seemed like there were existing programs, but now it's it's more about branding them to the right audience because hey, startups actually cater to branding a lot. Yeah, because no one wants to take like a giant risk on the already giant risk they're taking, yeah, right? It's yeah. like take, starting a company is like a giant risk and you don't want to be using like some products that no one else is using because that's, doesn't feel good right and so it it is important and it is important that like you're not the only one doing something because you need that community and you need that support and so that's what we're trying to to build with what we're doing with microsoft for startups is to build that community that like hey you're not the only one using azure so don't worry about that we but we also want to approach it like hey we want you to stick with us and so we're going to make sure that we're partnering with you in a healthy way. So it's not just about like, hey, try to convert off three credits as quickly as possible so you can start paying us. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. What founders really are thinking about is like, how do I get my product to market as quickly as possible? How do I think about surviving financially for the next couple of years while I get my product off the ground? How do I think about getting access to a set of uh, experts and mentors to get me to that next stage of my journey. And so we've really like took those key jobs to be done for founders. And we said, Hey, what can we as Microsoft do to actually show up authentically in this ecosystem and help founders? So it's not just about like, Hey, here's some free Azure and we're going to walk away. We're really thinking about like, yeah. how do we solve some of these key jobs to be done for these founders and, you know, give them more of a holistic value proposition than we would if we're just kind of giving away credits like all the other, uh, cloud platform players. So, um, that's how we came up with this. Uh, idea of the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub, which is a digital platform that lets any startup, regardless of where they are in their journey, get started with Microsoft, not just for free Azure, which we do give out, but really thinking about for help with accelerating the time it takes to build an MVP, to get access to mentors and experts to help them get to that next stage of their journey, to uh, help them acquire and scale the number of customers they have. So we are still in our MVP stage. We launched the Founders Hub about a year ago, exactly. Um, But we've gotten great traction. We have 25,000 startups globally participating. Um, We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to build products. So really ensuring that we're keeping these startups engaged and successful with our technology. And we're partnering with them for the long haul. Right now, the startups that are kind of going into the space that are looking for this support, the brand for Microsoft is slowly developing in that space because of what you're doing kind of today. Why would startups choose to sign up with or to apply to uh, Microsoft for startups versus another, you know, accelerator? And we just pointed out kind of what the differentiators are for what Microsoft for startups is. And when we thought about it, kind of thinking about Microsoft as a larger company, 
it already has so much infrastructure and so much brand name in these legacy companies, you know, and with these new purchases that you talked about, mm-hmm. kind of giving more benefit, like last year, um, coming up with, you know, free LinkedIn credits, like getting the benefit of being link- LinkedIn business premium, mm-hmm. you know, all of these under the Microsoft mm-hmm. name are providing such like critical tools for early startups. So I think it's a no brainer when it comes to kind of thinking about how do I start, how do I set myself up for success? You know, one of the things yeah. in that area that we're kind of trying to, to learn more about is um, the co-selling. I guess like we don't mm-hmm. understand yet how that works, but maybe you can you can educate us a little bit on that co-selling piece that makes it such an attractive opportunity for, for startups. Sure. So as you mentioned, Microsoft has that brand name and it's an incumbent in large enterprises. And what startups may or may not know, again, depending on who they're selling to or want to eventually sell to, if you try to sell to enterprise, and I've worked at companies at startups where you're selling to enterprise, it's it's a bear, right? Like there's so much to figure out. The sales cycles are long, procurement processes are almost impossible. The uh, requirements from a compliance perspective are, you know, numerous. And so if you're a startup and you're trying to get your first enterprise sale, it's daunting, right? There's so much to figure out, especially if it's your first time. And so a lot of what we are doing and want to continue to do is to help startups figure that out, right? Like how do you get your first enterprise customer sale or even like not even, doesn't even have to be enterprise, like first mid-market sale because I think a lot of startups like start and they get other startups to use their products, especially B2B startups. But then going from like that to upmarket to mid-market enterprise is really a huge learning curve and a huge step And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to make that easier because we're good at that, right? We understand what that looks like. And we're trying to build tools to not only do that for one or two startups, but to also do that for the long tail of all startups. So even tools like the Azure Marketplace and others where we're trying to make it so that you can transact for an enterprise customer to say like, I want that product and transact through the marketplace takes care of procurement. It takes care of a lot of the uh, the things that need to be done from a compliance perspective, because you already need to meet those standardized bars before you get on the marketplace. So that's a huge advantage in actually building on Azure and listing on our marketplace is then you get access to these enterprise customers that would have been a lot, lot harder to actually acquire than if you go through our channels. And so that's what we're ultimately trying to drive right now. Is it perfect? No, but we're getting there, right? We're trying to make it so that it is easier to work with enterprise customers because enterprise customers also want to get the latest, right? They want to use the latest innovation. They don't want to be using 30 year old products, but we also want to make it easier for them to get access to, to startup products because we know those are the best products, right? They're going to be on the bleeding edge of everything. And so we want to make sure like everyone can use those and you as a startup are not blocked by, you know, some compliance requirement that you can't figure out because it's, you know, it's just, 
it's just hard and you don't have enough people to do all that work. So we want to try to take care of all of that for, for startups. And to that point, um, like, is there any, um, like, are there tiers to, um, the program, like Founders Hub? Like, is it eligible for startups across their, um, you know, startup journey, basically. So, like, can a seed mm-hmm. stage company with no no real product out there, they're still yep. building it, can they get on? Yeah. Uh, but then at a certain point, can a Series D startup with, with a lot more and greater connections then leverage Founders Hub as a way to tap into the pool, that that incredible pool of enterprise customers that Microsoft has access to? Yeah, so we do have four levels within the Founders Hub. So a level one is, you know, someone with just a LinkedIn profile and an idea. That's all it takes to start working with us because we know that's when, yeah, we know that's when people are getting started, right? It's like, you still have a job, (laughs) you're doing this in your free time, and it's like you're just Mm, trying to get something off the ground. And so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jed, it's time to host uh, uh, this on uh, uh, Founders Hub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then as you grow, so as you, you know, next step, you like incorporate your business and you're starting to build your MVP, then you get to level two. Then when you, you know, are starting to get your MVP in market and get your first customer, you get to level three and then level four. And so the idea is that we're along the journey with you and we're, essentially giving you more access as you get through our levels so that you're with us for four to five years, right? It's not just about like getting in and like getting credits for two years, which is what our competitors do. But we're really thinking about like that idea stage founder, as you're growing, we're there for you, right? And so that's that's the relationship we want to have. And then when it comes to like, our most engaged and high potential startups. So once they're in the founders hub and we see them really hitting the ground running and getting traction and using our products really well, they have the opportunity to be in a select few invite only programs that we have as Microsoft for startups. So one is a really a go to market program that is helping select really high potential startups that are really engaged with us, uh, go to go to enterprise customers. Yeah. So we actually help them find opportunities to um, get their sales teams involved with our sales, our account management teams to get them to the right people at the right customers, so the buyers. So that's been a great program. And again, it's a invite-only program. We can't do it with 100,000 startups, right? We have to do yeah. it with a select number of startups. And then we have something similar. We're also creating kind of a, depth engagement uh, program for generative AI startups. So again, like trying to get them access to GPUs at lower costs, because we know that's very, very expensive, getting them in touch with product teams within Microsoft to help them as, you know, we're all innovating together with this new technology. So making sure the Microsoft product teams are ahead of what the startups are doing and kind of information sharing, as well as, you know, for those that it makes sense for that go to market benefit. So helping them connect with customers so that they can sell their products into um, these customer teams. So that's kind of like how we're thinking about it. So there's definitely like 
we can work with every startup in the world. That is our goal. Like we want every startup in the world to be on Founders Hub. But then of course we do have select depth engagements with startups where it makes sense and the ones that are most engaged with us. That's awesome. I mean, on the community building front, that's that's a lot of work, um, but that's what everybody's there for, I'm assuming. Do you have um, mm-hmm. any favorite success stories, kind of what has gone through Founders Up? I know it's it's quite early, but, you know, th- that would be interesting to hear from our perspective. Yeah, so I think there are a couple of anecdotes that, and, you know, Founders Up yep. is so new and we all also know, like, Building right. a company takes a long time, so it's not. That's a like tough I've question, Jed. Go. You're basically asking <laughs> yeah, her to is. name her favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. We got to cut this from the show, guys. <laughs> no, but even if it's like a small, you know, a small piece, a small win that you know you're particularly proud of because of kind of the change in the program, like a go-to-market strategy that was created, you know, um, something that isn't super confidential. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'll mention one anecdote where we were speaking to a founder and she's a female Latina founder. And what she was telling me was that like no other programs would like work with me because I don't have institutional funding. I don't have a partner. And it's like, yeah, because it's harder for underrepresented minority founders to even yeah. get funding and to get um, access. And so I think like one of the really energizing things that we're doing by kind of making it what we're doing open to everyone is that good ideas can come from anywhere. And we're allowing any founder to start working with Microsoft. We're not making it like only for people that are partnered with you know, a YC or funded by Sequoia, right? We're trying to make it open to everyone. So I thought that was really great that she was like, thanks for giving me an opportunity and giving me the opportunity to work with Microsoft and get access to some great free tools that are really important for early stage startups as she was building out her business. So I think that was like really great to hear as like, cool, like we're doing the right thing and like making this open and enabling anybody. And then, you know, there are a couple of startups that are, um, you know, a little bit later stage, a little bit more traditional, but um, that have come up through kind of working with us uh, by signing up with Founders Hub. And now they're kind of in our go-to-market program. So um, there is one company called Pangea Health and they're a healthcare company Mm -hmm. and they signed up to Founders Hub because in health and life sciences, you know, HIPAA compliance and some of these other um, compliance yeah, yeah. things are very, very the expertise important. is and not so there Azure is in the market. Exactly. Expertise is not there. Like Azure has that. And then through the Founders Hub expert network, we have a bunch of industry experts that these startup founders can schedule time with and ask questions and get unblocked. And that's huge for us because we really think that like, look, we know startups are really small. You don't have everyone in your payroll. You don't have everyone on your board of advisors, right? Like there's going to be some skill sets that you're missing. And so like tap into the wealth of Microsoft in terms of like the skill sets that people at Microsoft have. So there are people that are healthcare go-to-market experts. There are people that are in healthcare product teams. So they were really able to leverage this expertise to continue to build with us. And now they're part of our our go-to-market depth program and they're working with 
big hospital groups that, you know, Microsoft is customers with, and they're starting to sell their solutions into those groups. How great of an alliance this is, because Microsoft is so ingrained in some of these enterprise companies. So say healthcare, right? Healthcare companies. It could just be a quick email introduction between the founder on Founders Hub, on Microsoft for Startups, mm-hmm. to that account team. Right. They have so much expertise about, say, United Healthcare, right? Which is yep. just such a complex thing when you think about it, if you're not in that industry yet, right? You want to break yes. into it. So that's just such an unlock to start conversations. Totally. And I mean, one of the things that I really am trying to have my team work on and figure out, and I'm not making any promises here, but I think one of the big opportunities we have, especially for early stage, is like getting that expertise from customers, that feedback, that advice earlier on, right? So I think one of the hardest things if you're starting a B2B company is like, getting customer feedback on your idea, on your prototype, on your first MVP, especially if you're trying to go up market, right? Like how are you going to get, unless you're like the most well-networked. There's no small healthcare companies. No, exactly. (laughs) Unless you're like, have like lived in that world for years and you know everybody, which is not like, not everyone is like that. It's really, really daunting. Like how are you supposed to like get feedback from like, a United Healthcare and like who in United Healthcare? You're just like sending a bunch of blind, cold LinkedIn messages. Like that yeah, has a yeah. super low hit rate. They do get LinkedIn premium though. They do get <laughs> they LinkedIn do, premium, right? <laughs> but how many cold LinkedIn messages do you respond to? <laughs> yes, that's that is true. Right. That is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, reading this one article where a startup founder was like, "Okay, this is how much we got funded." But this is how much our infrastructure costs. Cost. Yeah. Everything from like collaboration tools they use, the the cloud tools yeah. they use, the the hiring payroll tools that they use. It just adds up and it eats up like 50, 60% of their runway. Totally. So the way that we're thinking about it is like, how do we save them cost in infrastructure yeah. and productivity tools, the tools that they need to build their products and run their businesses. And then also how do we really think about customer acquisition, like helping them acquire customers. So thinking about like, you know, the, the two areas and then um, the funding kind of leaving it to our partner organizations. Okay. Awesome. Before you leave us today, but as a product leader, and this always starts debates with our conversations with previous guests as a product leader, We'd love to know what is your favorite, favorite product. It doesn't need to be an app, but favorite product. You go, you think, oh, this is, this shouldn't exist because this is just taking my money or taking my time. <laughs> you thought I was asking hard questions? This is I hard know, question. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I would say like my favorite product as of late has been Resi. And that's really because like, for me, I, okay, I have two young children. Like I never get to like have a life anymore because I just work and take care of kids. And (laughs) so when I do get to actually go out and eat dinner, like it's kind of like changed everything because Yelp sucks because it's just like a laundry list of reviews of, I don't even know if they're legit. Right. And then like open table sucks because it's like (laughs) a bunch of restaurants where I live in San Francisco. So it's like, 
Yeah. It's like, you got to make a reservation. Like you got to figure out where you want to go. You got to plan ahead. And I feel like Resi is like the best of both worlds where it's like, okay, there's like a super curated set of restaurants on here where I know like if they're going to be on Resi, they're like likely to be pretty good. Like I'm not going to waste my one night out a month, like going to a crappy restaurant. And then it makes it like super seamless, like being able to book it and like a delightful experience, just like have everything in one place and make it super easy. So I could like do it really quickly without even thinking too much about it, which has been amazing for me so i don't like to waste That's time awesome. anymore and i don't like to go to bad restaurants anymore your answer is so different from everyone else that we've had <laughs> like 80 percent of the people say twitter and you say you don't want to waste time exactly i don't have time to waste anymore it's like all about like optimizing everything now <laughs> that's such a bay area mindset right Jim? <laughs> yeah. like we both live there like it just everyone's just optimizing 100%. sleep nutrition so- diet reservations (laughs) (laughs) on it yeah we've had a great time Lainey we want to kind of give you the spotlight as you leave us kind of give a shout out as to where people can reach you where people can reach the organization that you work for sure I don't even use Twitter but my handle is at Lahini ping me on LinkedIn so Lahini or Nachalam on in slash Lahini and then um, for more information about Founders Hub you can find out from microsoft.com slash startups um, you can start get started right away by clicking get started button so if you have a startup idea or you're working on a startup definitely check it out and we would love feedback so of course um drop us a line in the uh, support center you can give us feedback there as well within the product we'd encourage you to do that that's all the time we have for today's episode of things have changed podcast we hope you enjoyed our discussion with lahini adunachalam senior director of platform and growth at microsoft for startups As she said, if you're interested, you should reach out. It's clear that Microsoft for Startups is playing an important role in the startup ecosystem, providing critical resources and support to help early stage startups scale their businesses. We're grateful to Lahini for sharing her insights and expertise with us today. As always, here at Things Have Changed Podcast, stay curious. We'll be back with more insights and conversations on the world of startups and entrepreneurship. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media for updates of future episodes. Thanks for tuning in.